Uh, hey, I uh, got a little thing here. Is, uh, you may be a helicopter parent if, okay? So uh, here you go. You may be a helicopter parent if you have the principal's phone number on speed dial and a list of things you're going to tell them next time. Uh, you may be a helicopter parent if you still cut your son's meat and he's 12. Uh, you may be a helicopter parent if you bought a, your five-year-old a smartphone so that she can text you when the bus gets to kindergarten and let you know that she made it okay. Uh, you may be a helicopter parent if your child has never lost a game, even a game of fish. Uh, you may be a helicopter parent if you have mommy business cards that list you as Akaya's mommy. You may be a helicopter parent if uh, your kids don't go to birthday parties because there are germs there. You may be a helicopter parent if you have a nanny cam in your daughter's bedroom and you don't have a nanny. Uh, you may be a helicopter parent if you say that your child has never eaten dirt and you actually believe yourself. And finally, uh, you are a helicopter parent if your son's friends do not like to come over for play dates because they don't want to play with you. There, there you go. Yeah. Hey, uh, we're in a series called Offensive Parenting. Here's, here's the question that we're asking. What if we stopped parenting defensively? What if we stopped reacting to whatever our current children's current behavior was? What, what if we stopped just responding to whatever thing they did and we hadn't anticipated and didn't know was going to happen? And what, what if we stopped doing this thing from the backside, from the defensive side? And what if we played this offensively as a parent and got out ahead of our kids and said, look, this is what they're going to need to know when they get here. And this is how to prepare them so that this portion of life, this discovery doesn't blow them to shreds. What, how do we help them navigate peer pressure before they even know what peer pressure is? And it's this idea of getting in front of our kids in parenting. And guys, here's what we're just going to say out loud. Some of what we're going to ask you to do and ask you to consider is going to bother you. I'm just going to tell you, it's going to be offensive to you because it's different than what our culture does right now. And if you're here today and you go, look, I just think that we've got it, this whole parenting thing figured out and the way kids are turning out today is really a pretty good model, then you're not going to like what we say. But if you're at a place where you go, you know what, something's got to get better than this. Uh, I'm not sure as a culture and as a whole, we're really getting ahead of our kids and doing this the way we ought to, then I'm just going to ask you to take a little bit of a risk. I'm going to ask you to reconsider that how your parents did it or how your neighbors are doing it right now or whatever the most popular book at Walmart is may not have the answer to how you and I should parent. And what would it mean for you and I just for the next five or six weeks as we're doing this together, would you consider enacting the principles that we're talking about that are coming out of Scripture and say, look, I'm just going to give this a shot. And it is different than what I thought, and, and, and I may not even like some of it, but I want to see what it could do for my family. And what would it mean if, if suddenly the trajectory of my kids' lives has changed? What if our family got to a whole new level I'm just going to ask you to try the experiment. You don't have to agree with the experiment. I'm going to ask you to try the experiment and see what could happen if you and I got to the front side of this thing called parenting. 
Today we're going to talk about uh, some stages that our children need to go through. If you were here last week, we talked about some changing roles that you and I go through as an adult. We're going to flip this thing all the way around, and we're going to start looking at the stages, the, the, the life steps that our children have to go through if you and I are going to lead them to be fully prepared adults ready to leave our home and not get overwhelmed uh, when they get to the other side. Now, maybe another way of talking is these are three filters that you and I are going to teach our children how to use so that when a decision comes to their life, they intuitively and naturally, because you and I have trained them up, to use these filters to help them make decisions and navigate their life. And what we're going to discover is, is that if you and I can place these three filters in the hearts of our child, it changes them forever, and they are highly prepared to navigate what's going to come next. So we're going to process that, simply do that together. Here's what we're going to discover, is that really there's three stages, three filters we're trying to put in. The first one is simply this, the fear of the Lord. And I know that sounds a little weird, because you go, well, are you really supposed to fear God? I mean, is that, is fear even a positive thing? And the reality is, guys, there's such a thing as healthy fear. There's such a thing as fear that actually pushes me forward in a positive direction. I'll give you an example. Um, I am highly fearful of rattlesnakes. Now, you get me out in the desert and I come across a rattlesnake, I don't run in panic. I don't, I don't go hysterically running through the desert. I simply have a healthy fear. And here's what goes through my mind when I hear… My mind simply says, it probably would not be wise to go poke that with a stick. There's, there's, there's nothing to be gained. Whatever fun I imagine, whatever thrill that might be, what I'm, the potential consequences so outweigh any thrill I think I could get. No. It's a healthy fear. I've got a pretty darn fast car. And yet, I will tell you, I have never uh, opened that car up to see how fast it could possibly go. I mean, as fun as that would be, as thrilling as that might be to just put the top down and take it to its very, very… I have never done that. I've come close, but I've never done that. And here's why. I have a fear of being caught. I have a fear of what would happen if the police officer pulled me over. Guys, there are healthy fears. And Scripture is going to come back and say, one of the most healthy filters that you can give to your child is a fear of the Lord. Matter of fact, it's interesting, when you go through Scripture over and over and over again, when it describes people who have gone absolutely into chaos, who have just destroyed their lives, here's how it sums it up. You ready? They went off into destruction. They did horrible, horrible things because there was no fear of the Lord in them. And the fear of the Lord is simply this. It's simply this idea that whatever I do, there is always a consequence attached. And that no matter if I think I'm going to get away with it, and I think that nobody's watching, God is. And the consequences, the discipline that comes on the other is not worth whatever thrill I imagine. And I won't go there or do that because I don't want to live with the consequence. Now, guys, here's the part you got to get. When you and I parent, 
you and I are actually preparing our children, A, to be full-grown adults, but you're right, maybe more importantly, you and I are preparing our children to be adults that we eventually hand off to God, which simply means this. Their perspective of God is going to be highly influenced and developed by their perspective of their parents. You run into a young girl and she just goes, boy, I just don't think that God could love me. I don't think God accepts me. And it's not uncommon to go back and say, tell me about your dad. Did your dad ever love you? Did your dad ever accept you for you? And she goes, no. Well, that's why you're having a hard time believing that your heavenly father would love you and accept you. So with that in mind, here's a simple thing. If you and I are going to teach our children to fear the Lord, it'll begin with having them have a healthy, ready, a healthy fear and respect for you and I as parents. Stage one. Stage two and stage three, which we're going to get into next week, stage two is a fear of disappointment. It's giving our children a filter that says, look, the reason I'm not going to do that is because I would not want to see my father's face if I did that. I wouldn't want to see the disappointment in his eyes. Guys, there's going to come a point when your 16-year-old daughter is going to be in the back seat of a car with the most popular boy in high school. And she's going to say to herself, I'm going to marry this guy. This is a forever relationship. And he's going to be pressuring her to be physical. And in that moment, she's going to go, wow, I mean, I, I, mean, I want to. I mean, I, I want to seal the deal in our relationship. And I, I want this guy to know how much I love him. And you and I all know he's going to be long gone in about six months. And I'm just going to tell you that in that moment, She's not going to, if she pauses, if she says, look, I'm not, she's not going to do that because you're afraid you're, you're, you're going to spank her. Your 16-year-old's not fearful of that. She, she's not afraid you're going to take her cell phone away. That's not going to keep her making good decisions in the back seat of that car. But the fear of disappointment might. And what you want your 16-year-old daughter to say to that boy is simply this, look, I really do like you. Part of me would really like for us to do this. But I can't risk seeing the disappointment in my father's eyes if I did this. And so my answer is no. It's the fear of disappointment. And then the third and final stage is a desire to honor. It, this is, if you and I can get our children to this stage, we will have truly captured their hearts. Because what? a young person or a young adult says at this moment is to say, look, I've got multiple decisions to make. Matter of fact, probably I may not even have decisions that are right and wrong. I've got multiple options. But what I'm going to choose, you ready for this? I'm going to choose the one that would make my parents the proudest. And imagine as you send that young adult off into the world and as they head to college and as they go, their final filter is, look, I've got all these temptations, I get all these things, all these options that are going on in college, but here's my filter, here's my choice. I'm going to do in college what would make my God the proudest of me. You'd have a pretty darn cooked adult on your hands. Okay, so three filters, and we're going to start today, and we're going to spend all on this first one, this first 
filter in their lives. It just simply says, you begin uh, with the fear of the Lord. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles and go with me because Scripture just absolutely declares this pretty clearly. It's Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. And again, if you're not real familiar today, if you just simply stick your thumbs in the middle of your Bible and open it up, chances are you're either going to get to the book of Psalms or you're going to find this book of Proverbs just to the right uh, of the book of Psalms. Proverbs chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 7. Here's what it says, ready? Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, the fear, the, the healthy fear, the healthy respect, if you like that word better, the healthy fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. This is, this is that first thing that you've got to get in place. If you don't get this in place, there, are, there is a lifetime of regret if you don't learn this principle. There's, there's going to be a lifetime of poor… This is the beginning thing, Scripture says, that you and I have got to understand in our lives. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline in their lives. And the fear of the Lord is simply this, I don't get away with anything. When I do things that I know that I shouldn't do, I get consequences. There's always a spanking. There's always a discipline on the other end of this. Matter of fact, and I won't make you turn there, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, simply says this, do not deceive yourselves. Don't be self-deluded. God is not mocked. In other words, God cannot be made a fool of. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. So what we're talking about is this very principle, which you and I are instilling in the lives of our children, is a principle that they will absolutely need in adulthood as they navigate God. Because at the end of the day, even though you and I have moments where we go, wow, I think I got away with that, what you and I have to learn and know is, is that in those moments of grace when we think, hey, maybe God didn't notice, Scripture says no chance. God's not going to be made a fool. And whatever you have sown you will eventually see the consequence of. It may take nine months, but you'll see the consequence. And is this understanding? How many, how many, of, you, how many of you would say, hey, Lynn, I, you, man, you have just described my life. I am, I'm one of those people, whatever I do, I get caught. I get caught every time. How many people say, that's me. I'm the get caught guy. Okay, there's like six of us in the room, okay? So the rest of us are in trouble, but the six of us in the room. Here's, here's the deal. I guarantee you, for those of us that raised our hands, this belief, this understanding has saved you. Whenever you figured that out, if you figured that out as a child, if you figured that out as an adult, from the moment you came to the moment says, you know what, I, I just don't get away with anything. Whenever I do what I shouldn't do, I somehow pay a consequence, and it's never worth it. Whatever, whatever joy I thought I was get, it never compares to the pain of the discipline that I end up enduring. If you believe that about yourself, it has saved you a hundred bad decisions. It has saved you countless regrets in your life. And guys, I'm just going to tell you that one of the most powerful lessons, 
because it saves our children from heartache and ruin is when we instill within their hearts, you ready? The fear of the Lord that says, no matter how entertaining that looks, no matter how much you want to do that, no matter that you believe you're the boss of you, it's not worth the discipline. God will not be mocked. Your parents will not be mocked. You go there. Discipline. Discipline will come. It's the fear of the Lord. I will tell you guys, I'm the guy that if I jaywalk, I get caught. The police will pull over, they will turn on their sirens, they will turn on all of their lights so that everybody watches me get caught when I jaywalk. There can be a mugging a hundred feet down the road. They will stay and write me the ticket. Can I tell you that this belief, this healthy fear that my God is watching and that my God disciplines me has saved me from thousands of pains. It spared me in junior high. It kept me safe in my dating life. And as a young preacher with scores and scores and scores of temptation, this belief that I always get caught and the discipline, the spanking on the other is never worth whatever momentary joy I had has been nothing but a blessing to me. And one of the most powerful gifts that you give your child is the fear of the Lord, which starts with a healthy fear and respect for mom and for dad. This is the absolute opposite of what we talked about last week when we talked about this whole idea of poking the bear, okay? That, that what happens with a lot of children is they come in and they, they do something that they know is disobedience, and mom goes, well, no, hey, you got to stop doing that because the next time you do that, I'm going to give you a swat or I'm going to discipline you if you do that again. And guess what they do? They come back in and they, they do exact, they poke the bear again. They do exactly the same thing. And the mom says, look, I told you, I told you, I told, don't do that anymore. And then they poke again. And go, well, hey, I'm just telling you, if you do that 13 more times, I'm going to spank you. I'm just telling you. And you realize that when you and I become threatening, repeating parents, in other words, we said, look, you cannot do that. But discipline is delayed. Discipline happens capriciously and randomly, and you never know when it's going to roll. You and I teach our children to gamble with disobedience, because here would be their experience, and here's what they would say. More often than not, when I disobey, I get away with it. So the benefits of getting away with it 12 times before I ever get so far outweigh any consequences. I'll make that trade all day long. And you and I inadvertently, by being threatening, repeating parents, or worse than that, parents who ignore and don't even acknowledge the offense, train our children to gamble with disobedience.
How, how many of you have ever walked up to a door, knocked on the door, only to have a huge dog come lurching out of the door as, you, as the door is open? And your first instinct is, wow! And then the owner says to you, no, 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 no. No, no, no. He's just a barker. Just pet him a little bit. And so you reach down to pet the dog, and the dog's... <laughs> and you suddenly realize, it's a toothless dog. There's a... You get that when you and I regress to being threatening, repeating parents, when our kids can go and they can act in disobedience, and there is no immediate and direct discipline, we train them that their parents are toothless dogs, that we bark a lot and we snort a lot and we puff a lot, but at the end of the day, we really are incompetent and toothless. And guys, here's the part that more than that should terrify you. One day when you hand them off to God and they now take their perception of you and their lack of healthy respect and fear, and they transfer that to God and believe that God is a toothless dog. That when they see Scripture and when God says, hey, look, you, you, you can't date that type of person, and here's what you ought to do with your finances, and, and the reality is this is what your language ought to be like, and they go, Shh. just a bunch of barking. And guys, here's what you need to know. God's not a threatening, repeating parent. God will begin to bring discipline and spankings in their lives. And I'm just going to tell you right now, if you don't think God spanks, you haven't been a Christian for longer than three weeks, okay? I, and you have set your children up for a world of hurt and wrestling with God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So let me ask you a question. Based on your current parenting style, based on when your child has a discipline, when they do something they shouldn't do, and your response, is it, is it immediate? Do you follow through with the promise, and, and do you follow through with the discipline you say you give, or do they end up getting 14 chances, and then they wake up the bear, and now you're angry, and you probably over-punish and over-discipline and overreact to the moment because they've worn you out? Based on your current discipline style… Are you raising children to fear, healthy fear of the Lord, or are you raising gamblers? Let me just ask that again. Based on your current parenting style, are you raising children who have a healthy, godly fear of discipline in their lives, or are you raising children who gamble with disrespect and disobedience? There is a war, whether you like, there is a battle that you and I have to win. And here's the name of the battle. Who will be the boss of me? And at the end of the day, you have to win that argument as a parent. You have to say at the end of the day, have you ever heard a child go this, you're not the boss of me? That's the day you declare war, okay? This is a conversation as a parent you have to win because here's the deal in your home. Somebody will be the boss. You will either be the boss of your children 
or your children will be the boss of you. This is why God made them small and dumber than you to start with, <laughs> that you would have every advantage in this argument. And at the end of the day, I'm just saying, you have to win this argument, which means it may be tiring, it may be lots of work, but you have to win this argument. James Dobson, some of you would know his name, some of you wouldn't, absolutely highly regarded family sociologist within Christian for years and years and years. He tells the story of his young two-year-old daughter who decided that the joy of her life was to walk over to the record player. Back in those days, you had records, and, and her thing was to go over and spin the record on the record player, which was, of course, damaging. And so James Dobson had said to his daughter, look, no, you can't do that. And in her two-year-old heart, she said, oh, yeah, you're not the boss of me. And so she immediately reached back and spun the record again right in front of dad, to which dad walked over and swatted her hand. She looked at him with absolute anger, <laughs> face turning red, and in her two-year-old spirit, spun the record again, to which James Austin walked over and swatted her hand. To which she, after crying for a few moments, turned over and spun the record again. James Hobson walked over and swatted her hand. And here's what James Hobson said. I knew we were in a moment, and I knew that at stake was who was going to be the boss. It was either going to be my two-year-old daughter, or it was going to be mom and dad. And I'm just telling you guys. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. It's a healthy respect that says, I know, I know I'm not the boss of me. And James Dobson goes on to tell the story and says, it went on, it went on. I mean, we're talking 10, 12, 13 times. And finally, you ready for this? And here's part you get. I saw her heart change. She gave in and acknowledged that she was not the boss of the record player. Guys, I'm just telling you, this is a battle. You have to win because your child one day has to leave your house and know beyond a shadow of a doubt in their heart, I am not the boss of me. God is. God is. My parents are no longer in charge, and I'm outside of their home, but it doesn't mean I'm in charge of my… God is the boss of me, and what they believe about you, they will end up transferring to Him. Now, guys, here's the deal. If you don't win this battle, if you relent, if you give up, if you tire, then here, here's some things you need to know. You will only reinforce in your child's life this idea of being the gambling rule breaker, that, that they will constantly through their life go back and go, hey, I can be the boss of me most of the time without any consequence. I'm, I'm at the car wash a couple weeks ago. It was interesting because I watched a parenting moment. There's a mother there uh, with her child, and as she's there, 
uh, her little three-year-old boy begins to crawl up the post at the car wash. It's one of those posts that has the fake rock on it. And as Tommy starts to climb up it, mom, who was standing to the side, says, Tommy, uh, no, you can't climb on the post. Anybody want to guess what Tommy did next? <laughs> and kept going up the post. So mommy walks over, stands by Tommy, and takes him down off the post. Tommy then runs to the next post, starts climbing up the next post. Mommy walks over to the post, takes Tommy down off the post. Tommy runs back to the first post. Anybody want to guess who was winning that conversation? Tommy. And Tommy was training his mom, you're not the boss of me. Whatever you say, whatever you direct, I can still do what I want to do. Because you ready for this? I'm three years old and I am the boss of you. If you skip this step, if you and I don't teach our kids, whoa, 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 look, here's the deal. When you disobey, discipline follows. There are consequences to your disobedience, and you're not going to run from post to post in open rebellion. You're just not going to do that. And you say, look, I'm just, I, I, I don't want to break their spirits. I, I just, I, I, I don't want to have to navigate this. I, I want them to express themselves. Wait till they're 15 in expressing themselves. Wait till your daughter is hanging with that group of friends and doing things that you never dreamed your daughter would do. And you say, well, you're not going to wear that. And so she puts on what's acceptable. She leaves the house, but inside her purse is the... <laughs> she changes at school. She tells you, hey, we're going to the mall to hang out. She's really going to his house. And when you figure it out, when suddenly you go, oh, my goodness, my 15-year-old has no fear of the Lord in her. She has no sense of consequence. And wait till you have to go back and you say, hey, young lady, you're not going to do that. And she looks you in the eyes and says, oh, yeah? You're not the boss of me. And I'm just going to tell you that when you, at 15, try to go back and teach this lesson, and you start taking the cell phones away, and you ground them for the rest of their lives, it's painful. It's painful when you skip this lesson. I just want to say to you that if you're in this room today, and you've got that 13, 14, 15-year-old, and there is not this healthy respect. See, here's, here's what you want them to do. You want them when they're in peer pressure with their friends to go, look, I can't do that. My, my dad would kill me if I did that. And you go, well, what would he actually do? I don't know, but it would be bad. Based on past history, it would be bad. And I'm just not even going there or attempting that. That's what you want. And when your child doesn't have that healthy respect, and now they're 13, 14, 15, you have to go back 
I'm just going to say, if, if that's where you, you've got to now make a statement. You, you're going to have to go back to that 13, 14 and say, look, here's the deal. I've let you get away with way too much. I, I've let you behave way too disrespectfully to me and to your mom. But here's the deal. We're going to win this argument. And so whatever we have to do, whatever level of restriction, if I have to go to school and sit in class with you, if you never leave the house again without handcuffs to me, if that, I don't care because I love you too much to allow you to keep going. And, and, I, and as painful as this is going to be, my hope is it's more painful for you. And we're going to learn this lesson now. And at the end of the ready, ready? And at the end of the day, I will win. And you won't. It's what you'll have to do if you fail to teach this lesson in the beginning. Okay, so let's talk about how do you instill, how do you do this on the front end, how do you do this offensively so that they're not 15 when you're training it? How do you instill this healthy fear of the Lord? And here's the bottom line. It's actually fairly simple. You and I, from this day forward, are going to begin to insist on first-time obedience. First-time obedience, which simply means this. When you and I see our child behaving in a way that they shouldn't behave, you and I are going to call it out. We're going to go, look, you can't climb on the pillar. You, you can't play in the street. You can't do that. And if you do that, there will be consequence the very next time you do it. We're not talking 14 chances. We're not talking poke the bear. The very first time you go ahead and disobey, there will be consequences. And you and I have got to begin to say, look, whatever joy you think you're going to get out of that will not compare to the discipline that will come if you do it again. It's requiring first-time obedience. I had a mom, and we were talking about this, and she said, Lynn, this, is, this has been really hard for me because there's, there's moments when it's just uncomfortable to enforce. I mean, it's almost embarrassing to enforce first-time obedience. And she said, one of the hardest ones for me is the supermarket because you're in the supermarket, and you, you've been in there shopping and going through with, you know, getting stuff, and now your kids misbehave. And she said, I've got this one son, for example, who as we go through and we get to the he sees a hundred things he wants. And so he says, I want that. And I go, no, look, that's got like 3,000 calories. It's got absolutely no nutritional value. No. And then he throws a fit. He's like, Wah! And so the whole supermarket's hearing him. They're going, oh, shh, shh, We turn the aisle. We go down an aisle or two. He's got another thing he wants. I want that. No, we're not going to get, Wah! And so finally, here's what I do. I said, I know I shouldn't do it. I give in. I just go, look, you know, okay, I'll get you that. Just shut up. <laughs> Here's the problem. When we get a couple more aisles over, he wants something else. And so we go through this all through. And, and here's what I say to him. Look, you stop throwing a fit. You stop crying or I'm gonna, we're going to leave the store right now. I'm going to take you home. I'm going to give you a spanking. But here's the deal. He knows I won't. He knows that I've got perishables in the basket, and it would be really hard to walk up and say, hey, I know there's ice cream in there, but i got to leave right now. My kid's a jerk. You know, I, I don't, it'd be hard to do that. 
And so I end up being this threatening, repeating parent because it's just so uncomfortable and inconvenient to discipline. And so I said, well, okay, okay. So what did you do? She said, I decided to go to the store for no reason. And I took my son with me. And I went through the store shopping, but I wasn't really intending to buy anything. And I put, everything I put in my grocery basket were non-perishables. I put, put wheat in there, and I put sugar in there. I just put a bunch of box stuff, canned stuff, whenever. Because I knew what he was going to do. And I knew we were going to get down that aisle, and I knew he was going to say, I want that. And I was going to say, no, you can't have it. And then, Rah! So sure enough, we got to the third aisle of the store. Rah! And I looked at my son, and I said, look, here's the deal. Uh, no. No, we're not buying that for you today. And if you don't stop throwing a fit, I'm going to take you home. We're going to leave the store, and then I'm gonna, you're going to have a spanking. To which my son didn't believe me for some way. But she said, imagine the shock and awe when I actually took the cart to the front of the store, gave it to the manager, said, look, all that's in there is non-perishable, so you can, sometime you've you got to put it back. Took him out of the store, got home and applied the hand of instruction to the seed of his knowledge. And she said, can I just tell you that going to the store is heaven now? Because he knows, he knows I will follow up. It's first time obedience. If you do that, discipline will come. And ladies, I'm just going to tell you, if you're in the store, and the ice cream's going to melt, push it to the frozen section and leave. <laughs> do what you have to do. Let me, let me walk you through what I think this looks like. How much more powerful when I was at the car wash, if mom would have walked over to little Tommy and said, Tommy, um, no more climbing on the pillar. And Tommy and his little four-year-old stubbornness had run over to the next pillar. And you know he looked back and started climbing the next pillar. And what if in that moment, Mommy had gone over to Tommy and said, Tommy, come with me. Walked him around the corner. And guys, I don't, here's the deal. I'm okay. I'm okay with a spanking. And I get that some of us aren't. Some of us are pretty weirded out. Let me tell you why you're weirded out about a spanking. Because when you were spanked in your life, your parents were out of control, they were angry, and they were intending to punish you and get even with you for the 13 times you'd already disobeyed. That's not a spanking. That's a beating. When I'm talking about a spanking, it's because I'm taking my child to first-time obedience. I'm not mad. They haven't ticked me off. I'm absolutely under control, and I'm spanking for correction. But again, I don't care. Find whatever discipline you want. Here's the, here's, the, here's the million dollars of it. Whatever discipline you choose has got to outweigh the offense. I had a mom tell me this story. She goes, I had my son, and, and his grandma was uh, floating in the pool, and he was deciding to do cannonballs over the top of his grandma and splash her. Because that's what, you know, what nine-year-old boys do. And so she looked at him and said, hey, uh, you do that again, I'm going to discipline you. He looked back at her and said, what's the discipline going to be? You get what he was saying? It may be worth it. And at the end of the day, I don't care what, it was funny because she said to me, I had to try to think real quick, what was I going to do? You know, I, but I don't care what the discipline is. 
The discipline simply has to outweigh the bad behavior because you can't have a child who says, well, dude, if that's, if, I'll trade that every day. Your child's got to say, it isn't worth it. So whether you choose to spank or if you choose to ground or you choose to make them stick their nose in the corner, I don't care. As long as your kid at the end of the day goes, I will not do that again because that was dumb. And how much more powerful if she had walked him around the corner, given little Tommy a swat. You know what would have happened next? Tommy would have been crying and upset that he had gotten disciplined. And how powerful if mom would have simply held him, said, Tommy, I love you. I know you don't think I do right now, but I love you. And when Tommy finally calmed down a little bit for her to take an amazing parenting moment and simply say to Tommy, why, why did I have to discipline you? Why did, why did I have to spank you? Because I disobeyed. I'm just going to tell you, the next time mom says, don't climb up the column, my guess is it has a different outcome. When it sinks into your child that every time you call out bad behavior, you will follow up with discipline, that there's only first-time obedience within your family, it will change the trajectory of your child. And, and here's some really cool stuff. It will absolutely set the stage for you to move as a parent to stage two, which you ready for this? It's when we begin to parent for the heart. Here we're parenting the bottom, here we're parenting the heart. But you can't parent the heart till you land this conversation. You are not the boss of you. There's such a thing as a healthy fear of discipline. And then, how many have ever seen a parent who gives the look? You ever seen that? Just, and the kid, whoop. How cool would that be if you could parent your kids with the look? And I know, I know, you're going, man, I just wish I had an easy kid like that, you know, that all you had to do. You realize why that parent can use the look? Because every other time that child has misbehaved, that parent has required first-time obedience. That parent has said, look, 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 you're not going to climb the pillar. If you do it again, I will respond with discipline. And here's what that child believes more than anything else. I am not the boss of me. Dad is the boss of me. Mom is the boss of me. And when dad or mom gives the look, it's saying, hey, you realize what you just did, and you know that I will follow up if you do it again. And without a word being spoken, behavior changes. But it never happens on the other side of threatening and repeating. It happens on the other side of requiring first-time obedience. And guys, I get it, I get it, I get it. Some of us in there, you're going, boy, if I did that, Lynn, I would spank my child. I would discipline my child, whatever that is, a hundred times this week. You probably would. And if that's really the case, then that tells you all the more reason why this is a conversation you've got to win. But I'm going to tell you that next week, it won't be 100 times. It'll be 40. And the week after that, it'll be seven. 
But how cool would it be if the week after that, it's the look? And so here's my challenge. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to go home today. And for the next four weeks, never again be the threatening, repeating parent. To simply be the one who says, hey, I'm going to ask you for first-time obedience. Because someday, it's what God will require from you too. Let's bow our heads. Hey guys, I get it. I get that this sounds like a lot of work, especially in the beginning. And I get that this may be different than how you were raised or maybe even what you've done so far. I'm just telling you that if you don't begin to help your child have a healthy fear, a healthy fear and respect for discipline and consequences, you'll never be on the front end of parenting. You'll hand off a gambling, disobedient child to your heavenly father one day, and he'll have to clean up the mess. And so I'm just going to challenge you for the next four weeks. What would it mean for you to simply say to your children, hey, I'm going to give you the warning, but after the warning, I'll discipline every time. That this is a conversation that your mom and dad are going to win and you are not the boss of you. And I, I would fail you as a parent if I let you leave my home believing that you're the boss of you. Dear Lord Jesus, give us some courage. Give us some strength as we leave this place. Help us to put a new resolve in our parenting and to simply say, I, I'm simply not going to let my child train me. I'm going to train my child. I'm going to teach them what it means to fear the Lord, to respect discipline, to honor their mother and father. I will win this argument. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.